Hello out there, we're on the air, it's hockey night tonight. Tension grows, the whistle blows, and the puck goes down the ice. The goalie jumps and the players bump and the fans all go insane. Someone roars, Bobby scores at the good old hockey game. All the good old hockey Welcome in to another episode of Odd Man Rush. Hope you're all having a great week. I'm Will Highland, joined by Kyle Diesel, Boston's most eligible bachelor. Happy to have him joining us tonight, as always, to talk some hockey. I realize it's been quite a long time since we did a hockey-specific podcast, but between the NFL playoffs, the holidays, and everything in between, we are just now getting around to the January episode. But better late than never, Kyle, how are you doing tonight? You know, I'm doing great. It's been an interesting day, I'll tell you that. Um, I watched some guy get their uh, car stuck in the mud, Um, so it's been... uh, Fun, fun time. So, and yeah, we'll just call it a fun time. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of hockey and the weather uh, and cars, I mean, the roads were so bad this morning in Maine that, you know, you could, you could have probably played hockey in the street without rollerblades, but with ice skates instead. That's how I see the roads were. Uh, we had about an inch and a half of rain, which translated to about, you know, a tenth to a quarter of an inch of ice, depending on where you were. So, yeah, it was uh, a lot of fun commuting this morning, I'd say. Um, but pleasantries aside, Kyle, there's been a lot of water under the bridge, uh, literally and figuratively, since we uh, last spoke uh, in the uh, with regard to the NHL specifically. Has there been anything in the last month that's really stood out to you. I got something in mind, but I want to tease first before we get to our power rankings. Is there a big story that you've seen? Yeah, I think there's a few big stories. Um, I mean, let's start with Edmonton making their way back up kind of in the power rankings, but also um, let's talk about how I believe both of our MVP players are not going to win. I think it's going to be Nathan McKinnon. Um, yeah. The Avalanche. He is literally probably the star, the stud this year, um, watching him overall. So and the sad thing is that the Avalanche aren't even number one right now in their division. So Yeah, but uh, you know, it, it does you don't have to be number one in your division to make no, this. No, you don't have to, but I have the best player in the league currently, I would say. I, and I one. think they have the best defenseman in the league. I think he just oh, he just set the Avalanche franchise record for most Goals by a defenseman already. Kale McCarr did um, the other day. So, like, I don't know. I I am I'm still very, very bullish on the Colorado Avalanche. And obviously, Nathan McKinnon has a lot to do with it. They were my Western Conference champion pick. Yeah. And I think Georgiev, uh, their goalie, is playing better than Darcy Kemper did when they won the first time a couple of years ago. And so at this point, I wouldn't put it past Colorado to go on a big run. But we'll talk about them more in a second. I, I agree with Edmonton. I, and I, I agree that even with their rise, I, I don't know if he, they'd be able to give the heart to Connor McDavid even if they wanted to this year. Um, no. 
unfortunately, just based on overall stats that McKinnon is performing with or providing for the Avalanche, it just yeah, make- it's hard. And, and look, Matthews is a great uh, candidate. So is Matt Kachuk. There's a few others uh, in the league that you could make an argument for. Uh, Pasternak, personally, yeah. You- Major case for that, but I think right now, just looking at yeah, it, yeah, it's certainly McKinnon is the clubhouse leader at this moment in time. Uh, but going off of other teams, that's just for the west side, for the east side. Um, the Bruins are definitely stepping up. It looks like the Rangers have taken a little bit of a step back with a few loss, key losses here. Um, but I think the Florida Panthers are starting to turn it up a bit here in the east. Um, besides that, I think Florida right now is the team to potentially to watch out for in the east right now. Right, and I wouldn't. I mean, Carolina was my East pick, right? And they just beat the Bruins. The Bruins had only lost one game in regulation all of 2024 so far, right. and actually since Christmas. But they lost their second last night to Carolina, and I think Carolina dealing with some health problems. But when yeah. they get healthy again, they they they're going to be good again. They're a second half team. Uh, they mm-hmm. always have been, um, and so in the East, that's that's who I see ascending. But just heading back to the West so far, what uh, what I was going to bring up as my big story is how bad the Kings are. Uh, I, I believe the Kings lost 12 out of 15. The Kings, uh, they are. The but they like 10, have bottomed out. They are 2-5-3 and three in the last 10. So 2-5-3. and three. So that means... Yeah, so they've lost eight out of ten, right? If you factor in overtime losses, and you know that that was a team that played Edmonton in the in the playoffs a few years in a row there, and people had high hopes for them because they they have a young team, but it's really their older guys that stepped out. I don't know if you had a chance to see Drew Doughty's comments, um, but I mean Drew Doughty's a two-time Stanley Cup winner and a gold medalist, and he's talking about his team not really competing hard or or uh, being team-oriented. You uh, wonder what the sad part is, though? They're still in playoff contentions, even though they've had this... Right, because the Pacific is kind of bad outside of Vancouver and Vegas, to be honest. I mean, the... The Flames are hanging around, and the Oilers are ascending, and the 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 uh, Kraken are hanging around because of their goaltender, and the Kings are also in the mix. So yeah, but they have completely like fallen from what I thought they would be this year. I thought they'd be a much better team, but perhaps Vancouver is the story. Vancouver and Winnipeg, those two Western Canadian teams. We talked about Edmonton. They're they're the they're the bee's knees right now. If you're talking about the West, it, it's Correct. Vancouver and it's Winnipeg. Yeah, I mean, your top basically, there's a huge difference between your top three teams versus everyone else in the Western Conference overall. Unless um, Kings can turn around, it's literally six teams versus the, the rest. There's not even a comparison. Yeah. Um, Yeah, like record-wise, like how successful at home and away they've been, pretty much the same. And and a lot of it has to do with Demko. A lot of it has to do with Demko and how good he has been. And Elias Peterson. Now, he's a guy I didn't even mention in the the heart, but Mm -hmm. he's in the conversation. 
Uh, so anyway, that's uh, that's sort of the big look at the whole league. Um, do you want to jump into power rankings? Yeah, you want to start with we start with the West last time. You want to start with the East? Yeah, let's start with the East. Um, okay. We've talked a lot about the West so far. All right, I'll let so you I'm go gonna... first. Okay, so this is what I have for my top five currently. Yep. Number five. So number five, I'm starting. Uh, excuse me. Uh, currently, I'm starting with the Toronto Maple Leafs as my number five. Offensively, they're still powerhouse all the way around. Matthews can never count them out. Um, overall, I just I think they're just not quite there yet, especially goaltending wise. Definitely looking good, but I, I don't think they compare to at least the top three teams right now above them. They can definitely keep compete with the fourth team, uh, which I would say right now is the Hurricanes, um, which currently is my number four. Uh, number three is a surprise. Um, I do have the Rangers at number three. I think the last few losses they have had have really hurt them. They haven't looked too good. Uh, Shesterkin has not looked like himself from last year. Quick has looked a lot better, like we've emphasized before. Um, and then Florida has just looked phenomenal these last few weeks. Um, I have them at number two. And then of course I have the Bruins currently at number one. They just looked solid all the way around. Um, so that's currently my power rankings. How does yours compare to mine right now? So it's funny because in our last pod, our last football podcast with Cam, I talked about how I wouldn't be getting any Christmas cards from <laughs> folks in Philadelphia. Uh, but that said, it's Your really hands them out. I'm hand, I, I'm going to hand out, excuse me. I'm going to hand out some praise to the boys uh, in the city of brotherly love. And I'm putting the Philadelphia Flyers at five. Uh, they've Not turned bad. it on. They've played well. I'm looking at the cover of the most recent cover of the hockey news. As you all know, I'm a subscriber. This is a free plug for them. Not a sponsor. And they have their front office on the front. And, you know, Keith Jones, for most of my life, he's been an announcer. He's made all the difference there. I think the leadership really starts at the top. Then you have Danny Briere. I mean, played for the Flyers. You know, I believe he played for Montreal, too. Yeah. He was the GM of the minor league team here in Maine for a while. Um, and it, it's it's really top down from there. You know, I, I think I think for me, the, the Panthers have just, uh, excuse me, the um, the Flyers have just played so well these last few weeks to get themselves into into a um, into a playoff position, and you know a lot of that has to do with John Tortorella in year two, I believe. Finally, uh, or actually maybe it's year three, I can't remember. But John Tortorella finally like getting a good grip on that on that dressing room um, and having buy in, and that's why they're five to me. And so, ironically. Probably the second city in America where I'd never get a Christmas card from would be Toronto. Uh, and so I'm leaving them out of the top five and therefore at four. I'm going okay. to go with the uh, I'm going to go with the New York Rangers at f- uh, at four. Uh, they've fallen off a little bit. Shesterkin worries me. They're they're a very top heavy team. I don't know if a 36-year-old Blake Wheeler or however old he is at this point is really who I want to be relying on a lot with these big minutes. Um, 
I like Truba, but he was banged up recently. Uh, so there's there's some things I'm worried about with the Rangers, and I've learned not to get too jazzed up about the New York Rangers because <laughs> in the past uh, I've I've gotten bear, uh, bullish on them and it hasn't paid off. Mm-hmm. At three, I'm going with Carolina. They beat Boston last night. Uh, Boston has only lost five games uh, by less by more than one goal. Uh, we'll talk more about them in a second, but. Uh, last night's game was a gutsy win over the Bruins on the road. Um, that's something that Carolina is going to need more of as they get further on in the, in the season. And then at two, I have the Florida Panthers. Like you said, I think they're the most dangerous team in the, in the Eastern conference right now. Um, you know, if you look at some of these other teams, like, like Toronto, like Carolina, like Detroit, they don't have a lot of regular regu- regulation wins. The Leafs only have 15 regulation wins. They have nine overtime wins. Now, that's great, but in the playoffs, you're not playing three-on-three three or shootout. So, Correct. So with two, and trust me, the Florida Panthers are good in overtime. So <laughs> I... So I am a little, that would be the team that would scare me the most there. I believe they have 25 regulation wins. They're taking care of business and they're doing it in all phases of of the sport. Uh, And then I do have the Bruins at one. Like I said, they've only lost five games all season by more than one goal. Um, And I believe the difference between them and Florida right now is five points. And those five points are because the Bruins have lost five games in overtime. Um, And so that's, that's a, that's a significant factor in those five points are the difference because they have the same amount of wins. It's just Florida's lost, uh, lost five more games in regulation. The Bruins five games have been in, uh, in, in overtime. So they've played the same amount of games and they've won the same amount of games, but that's the difference. Now, ironically in the playoffs, it doesn't matter, right? Like I was just said, you, you if you can win the game in overtime, you win the game in overtime. So, and the Bruins, if you lose in overtime, you lose in overtime, and it counts counts the same in the playoffs. A loss is a loss, whether it happens in five periods or three periods. So, anyway, I know that's sort of with a lens of the playoffs, but that's how I look at the East right now. The Bruins are still the class of the East. They're, yep. They've been the most consistent team. But the thing that worries me about the Bruins is they're – they give up a lot of odd man rushes. That's something I've said for a long time. That is the byproduct of playing in the Montgomery system. Um, but I think long term, they should be able to edge it out, and uh, and and we'll see. Uh, what about your Western Conference? My West might be a little surprising. Uh, number five, I currently have Edmonton. They're on a fourteen game winning streak, which They're is insane. That's insane. Um, so I'm sorry, Dallas. You're not making the top five uh, this week or this month currently. Uh, at number four, might be a little shocking. I do have the Vegas Knights at number four. Um, they've been pretty solid all year round. Can never count them out. Just the current way they're playing has not been too impressive to me overall. Um, yeah. Three Vancouver, same thing. They just fallen off. They put the gas. They've haven't put the gas pedal to the metal like they did earlier in the season. Um, so basically all my Pacific leaders are currently my, uh, five, four, and three and number two, I, I, I'm sorry to say it, it's, I think it is 
Colorado, they have definitely gone up in the rankings. Huge. Um, like we talked about earlier, they have probably the best offensive player this year and probably the best defensive player of the year. Um, and then, of course, Winnipeg at number one, currently in the West, should always be number one right now just because of how they're playing overall. Maybe we didn't expect them to perform too well. We both didn't think they'd be excelling this well midway through the season. Um, so congrats to them, I have to say right now. So I'm a little bit different from you, but I agree. Winnipeg, Winnipeg's been a great story. And I'm just looking over the goal differential here because I had it jotted down in my notes. Yeah. So the the goal differential is really what I'm looking at here. And I know that's sort of an elementary way of looking at power rankings, but honestly, like if you're <laughs> if you're not allowing a lot of goals in and you're scoring a lot, that means you're winning a lot of games. That means you're a good hockey team. It's pretty simple. Like you, it's hard to ignore the Edmonton Oilers, so they have to be in the mix. But I'm put I'm sliding them ahead of Vegas at this point. I'm putting Vegas in at five. You know, I like Bruce, I love Bruce Cassidy, but Jack Eichel's been hurt, right? That's gonna yeah. that, that has yeah. a lot to do with it. Uh, and then at four, um, I'm going, ex- yeah, at four, I'm going to Edmonton. They've won 14 in a row. I mean, it, it's insane. Uh, and they, they're, they're playing great, uh, in all, in all phases, uh, in, in, in that power place lethal, uh, and they just added, uh, Corey Perry, um, you know, think what you want about Corey Perry and whatever, but I'm just going to put it in there that this guy's a former rocket Richard trophy winner, MVP candidate, you know, it, Stanley Cup winner. I mean, the dude, the dude plays. He's won gold medals. I mean, he's not, he's not going to hurt that team. So therefore, at three, I've got, um, at three, I've got Colorado. Um, it, it sucks leaving Dallas out of this because I think Dallas is still a really damn good hockey team, but they'd be my six. So at three, at three, I got Colorado out of that central division. Um, like we mentioned already, they're getting really good goaltender play. Like, but they're they're three headed monster up front on defense and in net with McKinnon, Makar, and Georgiev is, I mean, the best three that you can think of. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe you could make an argument for Hellebuck and yeah, you know, and. And Shifley or whatever, but you know, he hasn't been playing a lot. But anyway, I'm getting off track here. You might be able to make a case with my number one team, though, which I'll get to in a moment. Yeah. Uh, number two, I've got Winnipeg. We've talked about that. I just mentioned Shifley, Hellebuck, you know, that you know, Kyle Connors, that whole team is just firing. And then number one, this is where you make the other argument and where I go back to goal differential. Thatcher Demko. Elias Peterson, Quinn Hughes, boom, boom, boom. You know what I mean? The three best players on that team, just like Colorado, representing those three categories. And their goal differential, Kyle, the Canucks are plus 58. That it, it, It's pretty hard to me to overlook that when the next closest team in the entire league is Winnipeg at plus 41. You know what I mean? Like, if you told me at the beginning of the year, that they would they, they would have a plus fifty eight goal differential, I would have thought you were nuts. But here we are, and the Canucks look like the best team in the West. And and if you're a Bruins fan, and you're looking ahead at dreaming about a possible Stanley Cup scenario, 
which I know I'm getting way ahead of myself, of course. But if I'm looking ahead, I'm thinking Canucks, Bruins, and the Stanley Cup rematch from 12 years ago or 13 years ago, that would be ecstasy. Uh, it would be amazing. But I'm getting way ahead of myself. You know who, if I was at any team in the East, you know who I wouldn't want to play, though? The Winnipeg Jets. They, I, I watched the game the other night. They grind you down. Hellebuck stops whatever. They grind you down. They're good. They're stymie. They remind me of like the St. Louis Blues a few years ago when they beat us. They remind me of all these cup winners from recent past, like those Penguins teams or those Kings teams. Um, they're they're dangerous. So anyway, the West is kind of fun. I'd love to see somebody else like Seattle or Calgary or um, or LA get better and push. Um, maybe Dallas will laugh at us all when Ottinger goes on a really insane run, but that's, that's sort of where I am at right now. But it, to me, to me, it's going to come down to matchups and goaltending and five on five. And if, if you're able to succeed in two out of those three areas on any given night, um, you know, that that's where that's where teams are going to really make their money. Um, did you have any other thoughts on the power rankings? Who's the worst team in the league? Is there anybody? Is it San Jose versus the field or what? No, I mean, you think if you look at overall points and wins, it's also got to be Chicago. I mean, they're out Connor Bedard right now. Um, right. I mean, like we talked about, I think the biggest shock so far right now, I mean, we talked about them not being well, would be the Senators in the East. Yeah. Um, but also, yeah, they're Buffalo. playing the Bruins tonight. Yeah. I mean, also, yeah, just basically Ottawa, really, Ottawa in the East, and then the battle. I thought the Ducks would be better. I think they have a solid goaltender. I don't know what's going on, but I'm also surprised a little bit how the wild aren't quite up there as i thought yeah, the they would wild be blow. um what is I, with that i i, I don't know because they've on. been good for a while like they've never really been good in the playoffs but they're like no. always like regular season good you know what i mean like they'll, they'll always hang around and they've got good players joel erickson no. and krill kaprizov are good players i those are like their two best players i'm really uh confused about them yeah, I mean, just looking at like the stands overall, it's, it's still pretty tight, which is awesome to see. Close competition, points all the way around. Yeah. But like Nashville's in right now as the second wild card team. I mean, I had them making the playoffs early prediction. Right. So, yeah, I uh, liked like we said over the summer. I liked what Nashville did in the off season. So, yeah, they're gonna hang around and look like. I I, I hate to be like the guy, you know, like banging this drum, you know, mm-hmm. because like. It's sort of what I'm. I'm dying on this hill, but I'm gonna look. I'm. St- I still think that Calgary has too good of a roster to not make the playoffs one of these years. Like, look, like the Kachuk and Gaudreau thing sucked. They're playing Columbus tonight at at the Dome in Calgary. So, is you know that that um that thing with Gaudreau might happen. You know, they're always gonna. Or maybe that was last night they played. I thought they were playing. 
Yeah, no, they are playing the Blue Jackets tonight. But I, I, I hate to keep banging this drum, but I'm going to look at their schedule here. Like, they've got Columbus tonight. They blow. They've got Chicago on Saturday. They blow. They've got Minnesota. We just talked about them. They suck. You know what I mean? So that's like three winnable games for Calgary right now, right? Like, and then you, then you get Nashville and Philly, and then you get Chicago and Ottawa and Arizona. You know, like they have some winnable games up here, and they are too good of a team to, and they have a new coach and a new GM. It's like at some point they have to go on our heater here, no pun intended, and like make the, make a run at it again. That's what's confusing because you saw Winnipeg last year. They were sort of on the bubble. They had a really good roster. Um, and then, you know, what really clicked for them is they locked up their guys, right? And Calgary already locked up their guys, but for some reason they can't get out of their own way with this roster. And it's wild. No, it is. It's it's nuts. But, hey, this is why we play the sports. Yeah. You can have talent and still stink. Yeah, it's so confusing. Like, it, it's same thing with Minnesota. But anyway, like, Calgary's sort of sitting on the bubble, but they've got, like, Six out of the next eight games are against teams that I think they're better than on paper. So go for it. Anyway, hey. that's just a quick, like, selfish tangent here because I have a soft spot for them. Um, anyway, speaking of, like, tangents and goaltending and whatnot, I, I'm i sure you've seen who the New York Islanders have hired as their new head coach. Um in fact, when we did the greatest of all time athlete draft a year and a half ago with Cam, you picked Patrick Waugh as your goat of hockey. Well, he's been hired by the New York Islanders, and the New York Islanders are playing Montreal tonight. So it's just interesting how how that works, how that works out. He had, I believe he was the coach of the Quebec Ramparts in the, in the queue and was elevated quickly to be the head coach in New York. Uh, And look, Bo Harvat's been playing pretty well this year. Uh, You know, Lou Lamorell likes his guys, but what's your take on Patrick Waugh in New York? It's interesting. I really don't, no, like you said, he came up really fast, so I'm just kind of a little bit shocked by it all. I think it's cool overall. You're bringing in a great, one of the greatest goaltenders and players of all time. Big name. But I'm just questioning it a little bit just because the Islanders also aren't a very young team. Is this like, not saying they're trying to rebuild, but like, is, is he going to be the future coach to help rebuild this team later right. on? It's just like he's here now to give them like a veteran presence who has one. And win now. And so yeah. I'm like, I kind of can't tell what the Islanders are trying to do. You well, never know what they're doing. Not, they're not bad. They're still in playoff contention, but like, I don't know what they're trying to, what the focus is right now. Yeah, they're confusing because like, why is a coach who had coached in juniors, right? Like, he, yeah. I would think he would excel with a younger team. But like, the Islanders are sort of a veteran team. Correct. And I don't know, like, it seems like we're in a little bit of a honeymoon phase. Like, I'm sure from Semyar and Volamov, I'm looking at this and I'm like, I I get to be coached by who? The same thing if I'm Sorokin. 
I get to be coached by the be- one of the best ever do it. It'd be like Marty Berdour coaching you as a goalie or, you know, Dominic Hassett coaching you as a goalie. Uh, same, same idea. So that's wild to me uh, that, that that's happening. So in that, and it, and that news broke uh, earlier last week. Um, and it, it made tonight's game in Montreal sort of must-see TV. I'll probably want to tune into it in a little bit when we're done recording. Um, see what's see what the score is and whatnot. But anyway, I wanted to bring that up because it's one of those interesting things that like this sport just sort of pulls out of it pulls storylines. You know, the storylines in the NHL write themselves. I mean, they really do like you didn't you couldn't have planned that if you tried. Speaking of breaking headlines, how about uh, Corey Perry here shining with uh, Edmonton, but also him going to Edmonton? Does this win streak of theirs, 14 to 13 games, does that have to do anything with him, you think? Any of their success currently? or Well, he just joined the team, so I wouldn't say... I would say it's more the other way around. I'm saying I'm saying they're adding him because, and like I said earlier, they're already a really good team, but... Corey yeah. Perry. He has won. He, he knows how yeah, to win. Like he's won cups. He's won gold medals. Like that team still doesn't know how to win. Correct. And if I'm a Vander Kane or Leon or RNH or Connor McDavid, I'm happy to have that guy in the locker room. Uh, but to me, it's like, okay, you added a veteran presence. He's not apparently, according to people I heard, I, you know, I think it was, was it Anson Carter or Henrik Lundqvist or somebody on the TNT uh, panel last night said um, that Corey Perry is just going to, you know, sort of mind his own business. He's not going to hurt the chemistry in Edmonton. So I don't think their winning streak is in danger. The other thing is, Last few places he's been, he's sort of like left in a ball of fire. Um, Like, I'm not going to entertain the rumors that were percolating in Chicago about what he was doing. But um, it is a factor. Uh, You know, they brought him in for the same reason. So we'll see. Um, I'd like I'd like to see other teams take swings at this kind of stuff. Like we saw Pat Kane go to Detroit. You know, I think if I'm Chicago, I'm selling off anybody else who might be hanging around. Like I would, if I'm the Bruins, I try and swing a trade for Ryan Donato or hell Nick Foligno or somebody like that. Like I think the Bruins could use another forward. And clearly Edmonton thought that too, despite their success, and that's why they went out and grabbed. Corey Perry, who is just sort of hanging out. But yeah, to answer your question, I am, I'm not surprised. I don't think it has anything to do with their current success in that he's going to help prolong it. I just think maybe the success is the reason why they felt compelled to add because now they're in the mix. Then they're fully in the mix before it was sort of like, yikes, they had fired their coach and all these things that happened. Now, we're looking at an Edmonton team that is as dangerous as they've been in the past few years. Agreed. Yeah. So it'll be exciting to watch. And there's plenty of, there's plenty of hockey still left to be played. Um, 
But I think one thing I wanted to talk about with you before we ended the show tonight was the PWHL and its rebirth since we last recorded. Uh, we said and we pledged over the summer when this news broke that we would pick a team to support. So, without further hesitation, who are you supporting in the PWHL? Oh, that's tough. I'm... I don't know. It's just tough. I, I, I kind of support two teams right now. I'm kind of, my heart is with New York, but I also, uh, Ottawa. Those are the teams I'm currently, currently falling for. Um, the only sad part is with the women's current NHL, um, is that I'm not too happy that the Boston team is not playing in Boston. They're playing over in law, which is very disappointing. Um, they should be playing in Boston. But unfortunately, they're not. I don't know. They're playing they, at the Songa Center, right? In Lowell. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I wish they were in Boston. It'd be so much. I think it'd be better. It'd be awesome. I'm not sure if it's space they can't get or what it is. Here's, but here's my devil's advocate. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. About on that point, it materialized so late that Dang. like the Celtics and the Bruins kind of take over TD garden plus concerts, plus everything else, plus the bean pot, plus hockey East, plus all that. Correct. If you're going to play at an arena in Massachusetts, I would rather they go to a big one like Lowell where they can be standalone than True. play at Aganis or Connie forum or, you know, warrior and Boston and sort of be like B rate because our buddy Ian Burgess could talk about it more. I think that's a great barn up there in Lowell. <laughs> you know, I, I do. So I playing devil's advocate on that, New Jersey yeah. devil's advocate, I will say. <laughs> uh, pun intended. I am I am a little more excusatory of that because they get their own space. So you're going with New York and Ottawa. Interesting. I'm going with Boston. And it's not just because I'm a Boston honk. Hillary Knight, in my opinion, is the best American women's hockey player. I'm not disagreeing with that, but and, the underdog. Underdog's the way to go, I'd say. And I agree to an extent. Hillary Knight, the pride of Sun Valley, Idaho. I had to look up her hometown because I was like, I thought she'd be from Minnesota or New York or something. I did not nope. have Idaho on my on my list, but they have some, they have some local people too. They have uh Sammy Davis forward. Um, she's like pretty young too. So she's going to be around a while from Pembroke mass. And they have uh, a, a defense woman, I will say from Burnaby BC, which is the birthplace of my dad. Um, <laughs> so, you know, just looking deep on the roster here. Uh, I'm not just being biased to Boston. I think that we've we've got a nice little squad here. And uh, in fact, without getting too political, um, they have another thing going for them, which is the other night they were playing in Ottawa against Ottawa, and and uh, Prime Minister Trudeau was there, and he was saying something about how. 
he uh, really wanted him to beat Boston. All right. Well, then that's all the uh, that's all the uh, the fire I need there uh, <laughs> as my tertiary reason. So number one, Boston. Number two, Hillary Knight slash the rest of the <laughs> roster. Number three, Justin Trudeau doesn't like them. All right, great. Sounds like my team. So I'm staying in Boston. And look, their uniforms, personally, I think I'm looking at the jerseys for the whole squad. I wish they were black and gold like the pride used to be. But I get why they didn't do it. Um, yeah. I don't love the green. I wish they kind of went with more of like a Dartmouth green than like a Green Bay Packers green, but it's, it's fine. <laughs> um, I think the best Jersey is Ottawa. Yeah. Montreal also has a pretty dope Jersey. New York's I'm not a fan of, and I don't really like Toronto's either. I don't know if you have a chance to look at the uniforms. Have you had a chance to look at the jerseys? Oh, no, I have not had a full chance to look at the jerseys, but I have had a chance to look at the current new rules they're trying to implement. Oh, what a segue. What a pro. Hit me. All right. So first one is how, how first I got to start with, I love how right now they're allowing the women to actually start the hip check and hit people. Oh, I, I'm loving it. I'm did loving you it. see Marie speaking of, did you see Marie Poulin's or Marie Philip Poulin's uh, uh, hip check? She just yeah. like, Laid them out. She's just like, see ya. Sign me up. I'm going to start ordering season tickets right now. We're going we're to start going to the law, watch the games all the time. Uh, no, I'm serious. I would definitely totally invest into it if this is how it's going to be for the future. I think it's like super bright for women's uh, hockey to go forward to allow this. Um, going off of that, the rules. How do you feel about um, them implementing the shorthanded goal? And if you score, you get to bring your – player out of the box i think we thought that made sense like i remember when i first started watching hockey it was like if you score a power play goal the other team gets to send their person out but then if you score a shorthanded goal your guy stays in that was weird i never understood that dichotomy so look i i get it it's fairness but there's already the the other people would say that there's already an incentive for you and your shorthand, which means you can ice without um, without penalty, you know, without having to come back to your zone. Like you can freely ice the puck whenever you want when you're shorthanded. Like I Correct. get that. But I think what it does is it it um it incentivizes offensive play and it actually incent by the defense and it also incentivizes the team that's on the advantage to not overcommit to score knowing that as they give up a, you know, break going the other way that they could lose their power play opportunity. So I, I like it. Um, I do. There are some weird things that I'm not quite sure about. Like for example, if it's a delayed penalty, can your goalie still leave without like, cause if it's a delayed penalty then the next person to touch, obviously is it's a whistle and the power play begins. Is that still true? Correct. Yes. Okay. If it, it's delayed. Yes. Until the other team touches the puck. As long as you don't pull a Pittsburgh Penguin and score, <laughs> that, um, it's still good. Still legal. Yeah. Yeah. Touche. All right. What other rules we got? Uh, the other one. Oh, gosh. I just slipped my mind what it was. The I didn't point know system, th- right? 
Yes, the point system. So regulation win uh, is three points um, as normal, expected. Overtime win is two, and then overtime loss is one. How do you feel about that kind of uh, point system versus what we currently have in the NHL? More of like a soccer style versus... Yeah. So I got in the Premier League a little while ago, I think maybe like four or five years ago. And yeah. I, I, so I watch soccer, primarily English soccer now, and, or, you know, as they would call it football. Um, and that's actually one thing that I've appreciated the most about the league and watch in that sport. So I'm glad that the PWHL is adopting it for ice hockey, partially because that's how a lot of international tournaments work. Um, if they do a round robin, um, in hockey, I believe that's how the IIHF likes it, likes to do it. Um, if I'm not mistaken. And I think if it, it would eliminate a couple things. I think the first thing it would eliminate is full out tanking because if you don't get uh, as many points for an OT loss, like, you know what I mean? Like, um, like for example, you'd get three for a win, one for a OT loss and uh, zero for a normal loss. Yeah. And then if you had an OT win, it would still be three. Yes. Okay. So if you're a team that sucks and you're tanking, but you get to overtime, like, you know, maybe it actually wouldn't eliminate. I was thinking maybe it would eliminate tanking, but actually it might make it worse because now you can't. Yeah. I was trying to think through that. Yeah. That was no. my gut reaction. My other, the second thing I think is more valid. So maybe it doesn't, it won't, it won't do anything with tanking. Now, obviously when there's six teams in the league, like there is in the PWHL, you're not going to tank anyway, yeah. but, um, maybe it would eliminate to that note, uh, too many like tiebreakers. Maybe it would like somehow make the standings less close and break them up a little bit. But the thing I was really going for is it incentivizes you to actually like win the game in overtime because like the Bruins have lost a lot of overtime games this year. And I'm thinking, Oh, I wake up the next day and I'm like, Oh, that's okay. We still got a point. And they only got two. It's they're only one point better than us. You know, the team that just beat us. Like if we lost to Toronto or Florida or somebody in overtime, it'd be like, well, it's really only a point difference. Now that point might matter later on in the year, but, yeah. It's easier to make up. Now, if that was suddenly a two-point difference, like, oh, shoot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they're now two points ahead of us Yeah, based no, on that I, game. I think it just makes it more like you talked about. Like, I think it just makes the exposition game itself more important. Like, it values more of actually winning a game in regulation versus, oh, we'll just go to overtime for a comeback. Well, if you're playing an in-division team, you may not want to go to overtime. Like if it's Toronto versus the Bruins, you probably don't want to go overtime and only be sharing two to one points versus I can take all three points to myself and build a huge gap between everyone else. Yeah. In our division. true. Um, But going off of that, the other last thing off of that besides adding physicality, which is awesome, 
there's a whole rule thing. I'll send it over to you. Look, it's awesome to read. The other, the last thing that they implemented, which I wish the NHL would bring back, but currently uh, we just talked about goaltenders. Uh, Patrick Waugh and Barnham Brodeur are the reason why, mostly Marty, the reason why this rule is in play in the NHL, and that is in the women's in the women's league, there is no trapezoid effect. And the reason yeah. why there is no effect, everyone calls it the Marty effect because he is one of the greatest goaltender patchers of all time. And he's the reason why that exists today. I really wish the NHL would take it back because I goalies do make some of the best passes ever. I think it yeah. opens track field and now you just take a take away their the advantage of a player and which is very unfortunate i think yeah i love so i don't think i think internationally they're allowed to do that correct uh, the the marty rule doesn't exist uh internationally so i always like that in the olympics or in the world juniors or whatever when they can do that right. um plus they're on bigger ice so it's like it opens Does- it up a little more uh, i like that this isn't involved either um, I like that they can do that. Um, it really, excuse me, it really frustrates me when hockey has like divided their freaking rink up into a bunch of different little shapes. Like, yeah. you know, before, you know, you could just, you had the two line pass, right? And now, and I was like, oh, like you can't ice unless you're in front of the red line or, you know, which to my opinion just creates more dumping and chasing because before it was like, oh, I'm going to try and hit this guy breaking down the ice. Now it's, oh, well, you know, that's going to be offside or that's going to be a two line pass or that's going to be icing or, you know, all that stuff. And then there's the Marty rule. Oh, well, we're going to take away the big play. That's why when there is a big play, like when a dude's coming out of the, or a gal's coming out of the box in this case, you know, you, the goalie. <laughs> shoot it to the person coming out of the box. And that would be such a good play. Um, it, you know, as long as they're on side and stuff. So I like that. I like the elimination of that rule. Um, I wish the NHL would do it too, because like you've seen, I think there was a goalie goal a couple weeks ago. I forget who it was. And then of course, Allmark had one last year. Um, it's really exciting when goalies get involved in the offensive side of the game. Uh, you don't see it a lot in the NHL because there's a lot of incentives to freeze the puck and, you know, Get a guy out there for a face-off or something, but I like it. Um, back to my point though on the on the standings and the points. Uh, the the thing that it the one downside is it like to the tanking thing or to the losing thing is if you're a team that like it, like is bad, you could be like really bad. Whereas like now I I feel like a a bad team might like casually make it over time and get some points. But if you're like, if you're uh, like only like not winning a lot of games and those, like if you're not winning like two point games and a team ahead of you is winning a bunch of three point games, then suddenly like you're going to have like 10 points and the team's going to like 45. Yeah. And so it's going to like stretch, it might stretch out the standings like too much. Because so, so if like you're bad, then you're like really bad. And if you're good, then you're like really good. So that could be, that could be one negative is that it does stretch out the standings too much. Um, right. Like, cause now if you're only getting two points for a win, then, you know, it's kind of hard to really break away 
from the pack. Um, but anyway, that I'm excited for the league. I think it's good. I think it, honestly, Kyle, I'm biased because I like hockey more than basketball. Already, it seems sort of more legitimate than the WNBA. Uh, not that the WNBA is illegitimate. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is like regionally, I think the communities are buying into their team because it was they strategically put them in six cities where they knew hockey was popular. They didn't try and make it happen somewhere where it wasn't. You know, you've got Toronto, Montreal, Ottawa. Then you have New York. Is it New York, Philly? Nothing is New York, Minnesota. New York, Minnesota. Yeah, New York, Minnesota, and Boston. So they... They strategically put it where they knew the sport was pop- was popular. Unlike, I think, the WNBA gets caught up in wherever the NBA team wants to have a secondary investment. Like, yeah. th- does anybody care about the Connecticut Sun or whatever they are? No. And it's not their fault. It's just that they're put in a place where their primary reason for being there was because there. I think at one point there was a lot of casino money there. You know what I mean? Like it, it just wasn't really for the sport. It was for somebody's bank account. Um, whereas I think in this instance, like the incentive was there where we're going to put it where we know there's a desire for it, not just sure. where there's already existing infrastructure where we can make a quick buck. And so that's that's why I like it, and that's what makes me look forward to it. Same. I mean, it's all there. I mean, Miss King bought it. Took ownership of this whole organization. She's done great for tennis. She's going to do great for hockey now. So I think it's positive all the way around, like you just said. They placed them in strategic areas for the reason why. It's going to gain popularity. And I think it's going to grow over time. Give it a few years. We'll see probably another two teams join. Yeah. I think you could put a team in Chicago. You could put a team in Philadelphia. You could put a team in – Elsewhere right. in Eastern Canada, possibly Quebec City or somewhere. I think I think what they'll try and avoid doing is putting having it too spread out geographically because I think they want to really cut down on some of those overhead costs associated with a league this young. Um, yeah, I think the only- that was one of the pitfalls of some previous leagues is that there was like it wasn't centralized enough. So I think they're going to try and keep it centralized. Yeah, um, makes sense. Yeah. But I like I like the concept, and I'm pretty happy that they chose to um, chose to put those teams where they did. Uh, it would be nice though if they had like names, because that's the one thing I liked about the old league. I think it was the PHF. Yeah, um, is uh, they had all these cool names and stuff, um, like the Metropolitan Riveters, or you know the Toronto Six. So maybe they'll bring that in. That would be my only other thing I would like to see. I'll give you the last word. Oh, gosh. The last word is for me is that, um, gosh, the season's been so crazy. Um, I don't know. Uh, I'm just excited to see the Women's League be doing so well to start. But also I feel bad that my Devils just are sucking right now. Uh, but we won't talk about those hard feelings. But the last word yeah. is going to be need to go see Boston versus New York 
sometime this winter for the women's league. Yeah, I'm sure you could see it, see them in Lowell. I'm, I'm sure that would happen. That would be a lot of fun. Um, my final thought, I guess, since you brought it up, is uh, you brought up your team. I'll bring up mine in closing. I love the Bruins. I love the way they're playing. I love that they're sort of playing like an underdog, even though they're the points leader in the conference. Um, my one big takeaway, though, that they need to do, and I harped on this a couple months ago, they need to extend Jeremy Swayman. It, I will I will I will drive him to Warrior <laughs> Arena with a brand new pen if Don Sweeney needs me to. Um, but that needs to get done. It needs to happen. And last quick plug, just gonna plug this in. Um, we don't talk about it much, but I think we should on our next episode. College hockey looks pretty dope right now. You have BU and BC are going to play each other in the bean pot in a couple weeks, ranked number one and two in the nation. My main black bears are number six in the nation. So maybe next time in February, we can talk about that. Um, but extend Jeremy Swayman, get it done. So needs to happen. So on the topic of extensions, we will not extend this prod- podcast any longer, but I appreciate you all tuning in. Kyle, thanks for joining me as always. Uh, We'll be back next month with another episode of Odd Man Rush. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of your weekend and enjoy your favorite hockey team. I'm Will Hyland. This is Kyle Diesel. You've been listening to Odd Man Rush. If you liked this podcast, please subscribe on your favorite provider including Spotify, Apple, Google, and Stitcher. Be sure to also check us out two times a week on those platforms, on Monday and on Thursday. All of the Sportland USA programs are independent, and the opinions expressed in them do not reflect those of any other company, outlet, person, or entity. Yeah.